This is the 210 Podcast, where we show you how to have more as a busy professional woman while still enjoying the mommy life. We are your hosts, Dr. Amy Steele and Dr. Carol Broxton. What's up, girl? Hello. Ready to get started. I'm excited. Got a great topic and a great guest. All right. Let's jump on in. So today we are going to be interviewing Alicia Hash. Alicia is quite a woman. Let me just tell you, Uh, Carol, you know how we always talk about the fact that women are so amazing. We balance so much and we do so much. Well, this chick, she (laughs) does it all and she does it all with smile and with grace. So not only is she a mom of three amazing children? And let me just tell you, super amazing. Like they're super talented. Even the five-year-old, he can read. He's so amazing. But the, I, I won't steal all her thunder, but her oldest child, I will say this, just got into Harvard while her middle child just started a whole nonprofit organization. Like, oh. and her oldest child did as well. She wow. is rocking it. They are simply amazing. In addition to that, she's married to a wonderful man who is just such a provider and such a caregiver and lover of her. He absolutely adores her. And uh, I just, I love this family, as you can tell. But Alicia is a local elementary school principal in the Charlotte area. And we are delighted to have her on the episode today. So I'm going to, that's that's my formal introduction in case you didn't recognize that. But I'm going to say hi to Alicia. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me, Dr. Steele. So nice to be here with you. Of course, I've known you for a very long time and it's a pleasure to meet you, Carol. Nice to meet you too. So exciting. Glad you're here with us. Yes, yes. So we are going to jump right on in. And, you know, we're just going to, I mean, we're at a really interesting place right now, uh, simply because of the time of this recording. We are really in a space of just a lot of reflection about our lives. But before we kind of jump into what's been going on in our nation and where we are mentally and emotionally, Alicia, if you could just tell us a little bit about your family, talk to us about, you know, maybe your philosophy of mothering or how you, you know, I've already spoken about the fact that you have three kids, but, you know, maybe you want to go into a little bit more detail about your children or what you and your husband believe to be kind of some guiding principles with how you raise your family. Absolutely. So as Amy just shared, I'm Alicia Hash and I am a mom of three and a wife of a husband, Dwight Hash, who I adore. Our three children always say we're in three different generations. We have a senior, Kirsten, and she's a senior at Mallard Creek High School. And as Amy shared, we've been on that college application journey for the past 10 months, it seems like at this point. And she's so excited because she started to get those acceptance letters in and she did get an acceptance letter to Harvard University. So we're all at this point taking it all in and celebrating with her because this has been a dream since she was a very little girl. When you asked her where she would go to school, she always said Harvard. So that was always one of the schools that she would name. So excited for her, but also adjusting to the fact that you may have a child 12 hours away. So that's a big shift. And she's always kept us on our toes, very busy. She's in dance, cheer, piano, every extracurricular activity you can think of. And she does have a community organization. She started in 2019, Queens for Change. So 
just a very busy young girl. And, you know, back to what Amy was sharing, we've always, Dwight and I, wanted our children to explore multiple areas of life from, you know, the social aspect Mm -hmm. to talents to where you invest your time and to what motivates you. And we've been on that journey as parents with our oldest child now, and we can see how that can really evolve and allowing your child to find their voice. And then we have Caitlin. She's a seventh grader. She just turned 13 in December, and she was born with a voice. And she is an extrovert and she does not meet a stranger. And she has always tried to keep up with her big sister for sure. So she is passionate about people. She loves people. She's a very loyal person. That is something that I've always seen in her. And she really cares about her family. Our children have all attended, even our kindergarten. I'll talk about that. IB schools along the way. And Mm -hmm. I'm an IB principal. So part of that is teaching your children and the foundation in that program is to be caring, to be open-minded, to be a global citizen, be a risk taker, and really think about the world around you and how you can make it a better place. So that is aligned with the philosophy that Dwight and I have as parents as well as what they've been able to experience too in their K-12 settings. So Caitlin, she's fun, she's bright, and she is definitely ready to take on the world. And then there's Trey. He's five. He's a kindergartner. And he is, like most kindergartners right now, spending 90% of his time in virtual learning, definitely for sure, minus the time we've been in a hybrid model. But he is energetic. He is excited about everything. He is his daddy's best friend. They are definitely pals. And I I know my husband has appreciated having another male in the house because it was definitely female dominated for a very long time, but he's the life of the party. He's a lot of fun. He is learning to read letters and just watching the world open up to him. is just such a blessing. And then we have Lily and she is our one year old cockapoo (laughs) and she is the life of the party too. And she is a quarantine pup, which means she's really never been crated or has not been away from us because since she's been in the home, We've been here, so it'll be interesting on the other side of the panel, it looks like, with Lily at home. But it's just a joy to be here. Amy shared that I am an educator. This is my 18th year in education. Seven years of that was spent in the classroom and instructional coaching, and this is my 10th year as a principal. So I'm around children, elementary school principal. I'm around little people a lot. I've had the joy of having my middle child and my youngest now at school with me. And that's probably one of the biggest blessings I've been able to experience as an educator because you see it all daily through the lens of a principal and parent. It's it's very beneficial. Wow. Uh, Carol, I told you. That's so amazing. (laughs) Yes. So impressive. I love it. That's awesome. Yes. So Alicia, you literally have been a teacher and then have been teaching your kids, and then you've been a principal, and then you've been your kid's principal. How has that dynamic kind of impacted your life, your marriage, your work life, your home life? What is that like? It was interesting because I was on a a Zoom right before this one, because you know all of us are on Zooms. Actually, I was on two before this one, and, and talking to a younger group of moms. And one thing I shared was, 
I was hesitant to go into the principalship because I felt like it would take too much time away from my family. And my family and I are people of faith. And I prayed and I said, Lord, if this is going to impact my family or my family dynamic or my children for years to come, don't open up the door. But if I'm able to do both, and that's my desire, and that is really what I wanted to do, please open this door up. And he did. And all of us go in ebbs and flows. Like all of us know that as working moms, that there are busy seasons and there are times where your family is on 100 and work has to take a, a side seat. Times where work is in a busy season too, and it's some things that you have to call on the village to support you with. And that's always going to be the case, but definitely a firm believer in family first. And what I shared about being able to have my children at work with me, it has always been what is the ideal space that you want your child to learn and thrive in mm-hmm. and become a better person. And you can relate so much more and connect so much more with parents when you can say, my child is in the building too. Mm-hmm. So X, Y, and Z, whatever this situation is, whatever's going on in the world, whatever you're offering, you have that parent lens as well that you can always go to the table with. And it creates a more authentic situation when people say, well, it's, I wouldn't do anything for your child that I wouldn't you know, do for mine. No, it's true. Right. Absolutely. 100% true. And it really does. It, it helps you grow as a leader and it gives you a level of empathy that brings about a respect from, from all stakeholders at that point. Yeah, that's awesome. Carol? Yes. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I have my pen and paper like, let me write some notes. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. That's a great success story. Oh, and, to, and it just sounds so rewarding. You know, all your hard work pays off. And that's what I'm just hearing when you talk about your children. You know, sometimes you can't see it. But if you say, this is our philosophy, this is our standard. And you know, it takes 18 years before they become adults and make a transition and you get the reward. That mm-hmm. is so awesome. Love, love this story. Yes. Yes. So awesome. And, you know, I love that you're so authentically connected, right? To your kids, to your faith and to your family in general, like a family as a whole, like that just makes the difference. And I think moms out there, our audience, you know, they know what that means. And for some, they're on the journey of trying to make the connection because many moms don't have the opportunity to connect their family and connect their work and balance in that way. So it's such a blessing that you have that opportunity, but thank you for sharing kind of what that looks like, because I think that makes it a little bit more tangible for the moms out there who are trying to figure this out. So audience, take notes and look up Alicia Hash, principal Mm -hmm. on Facebook and on Twitter, I believe. Are you on Twitter? Not principal Hash. Okay. All right. Principal Hash is on Facebook. Twitter is something else. It's more of an observer. We're going to find Principal Hash on Facebook. That's what we're going to do. All right. So we've had a lot of unrest over the last couple of weeks in our nation. And from mom to mom to mom, me, you to Carol, (laughs) we just, I, I don't even know how to describe what has gone on. All I can say is that our kids are watching. What is it that you find as a sense of comfort or how have you been able to kind of articulate this social unrest to your families, to your parents, to your kids, and not only to your three kids, but the hundreds of kids, the thousands of kids you also impact in your daily job? Because I didn't mention this, Carol, but Alicia is actually principal of two schools. 
And she can break that down a little bit, but you know, how do you, what, how have you been able to articulate this and kind of how your school and your teachers and how everyone is going to deal with this moving forward? Absolutely. So the world is watching and so is our children. And I think all of us Wednesday were taken by surprise in some way or the other when things started unfolding on TV midday. And, you know, at that point, our children were in school, virtual learning. We were in a team meeting um, from a school perspective and our, you know, everybody's working remote and TVs are on and you're just seeing the situation starts to escalate and wondering how intense is this going to be? What's the outcome going to be? And it's definitely a level of anxiety. And I always share with teachers, staff, parents, and that's who I've had the most interfacing with since this situation occurred in D.C. at the Capitol on Wednesday is if we have this level of anxiety as adults, how does that transfer over to our children? Right. I mean, first, we need to always, you know, you start with the foundation of we teach our children what's right. It's to be kind. Again, it's to be open-minded. It's to be caring. Mm. It's to be globally minded. And anything that they see that's Contrary to that, that's just a reality. And you have to deal with that and have those conversations as a parent, whatever your beliefs are. From a political standpoint, when we see things that don't align with those principles of being caring, of being open-minded and and being able to relate to people and be a strong communicator, to be able to carry those out in a civil manner, that is something that we have to one-on-one talk to our children about. So, I shared with a group of parents that it seems like the past 10 years, definitely five to 10, that there's always a crisis that we're dealing with globally or at a national level that comes into the school that we have to help process and take our students through. And this one is another where we just have to sit them down because they see the images and, you know, let them know that this is what you see. One reaffirm to them that they are safe with you mm-hmm. because a lot of them are in a place right now where you, they're not in a school building. So just reaffirming that you're safe in our home, you're safe with your parents, the things that we're going to do to make sure you're safe. But there is a world outside of our home and this is how we can impact and what changes we can make to make sure that we're not adding to the negativity that we see. Right. And having an older child and Amy, you know, and Carol, I don't know the age of your children, but I'm assuming they, you know, fall in those ranges as well. That you know, they're at the age now where they have a voice and they can be as active on social media yes. as they want to be, or community organizations, like I say. So I've even with my older, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who's about to graduate, you have to let them know that there is a way to deal with everything happening in the world in an appropriate way. So utilize your social media as a voice for change, making sure that what you say is something that's really going to build people and build community. In middle school and, you know, elementary school, it looks different how you're operating and how you're communicating that with them. But start at a place of safety. And then Mm -hmm. let's talk about what we can do and how can we impact change to make sure that this is not something that we're showing agreement to or participating in. What what is the opposite of what we want to see in? In dealing with children, I really do think that's the best way to approach that. And just it has to be developmentally appropriate. And for the the more you can 
shield them, especially the younger they are from the images that are on TV right now, the better it is because that definitely has some trauma and they are internalizing things that at some point they're not old enough to understand. So what you're saying is we shouldn't have our TV on the news Mm -hmm. all day and be discussing these things in our homes where our kids are younger, younger kids can hear us and just kind of keep that that spirit of anxiety high in our families and our homes because that translates over to our kids. Be very mindful and because we're guilty. We are we have news on 24-7 in our home. So I'm just going to be perfectly honest. And it's been right. times we've had to turn it off, censor mm-hmm. our conversation and readjust, especially when the younger one's in the room. For right. sure. We definitely have to be mindful of the images that they're taking in and how they're internalizing things. They're already living in a pandemic. Yes, that's already you have Mm. five year olds. I mean, my child talks about social distancing, wearing a mask, who we can't be around is somebody sick. So they're taking a lot in already. You know, they are. So this is another layer to the society that they're growing up in. So as much as we can, you can't completely shield them, but as much as we can get to their level and make sure that we're the boy and process that, the better the outcome is going to be long-term. Mm. That's so true. So true. Yeah. My son, he is nine and he was watching, well, we were watching the news and, you know, they were talking about an, uh, part of the incident that happened in the Capitol where a young man was, the police officer, I believe, was crushed in the door and whether or not he was going to live or not. And so the way they the news uh, advertised it or spoke about it, they said he had been crushed. And so crushed kind of meant he was, you know, okay. already ha- had already succumbed. And so the broadcaster just kept saying it and saying it. And then my family started chiming in saying, you know, is he gone? Is he, you know, deceased? And they use other words as well. But my nine-year-old, he just covered his ears and then he just ran out of the room. He just couldn't take it anymore. And, and it was, I think he couldn't, he couldn't take it because he didn't know if he was going to see the image of the crushed man. And then, you know, they, some people like me, when I see movies, I become a part of the movie, right? I never forget the images that are in the movie. I don't forget the way I felt in the movie. Like I become a part of the movie. So he may be like me in that sense that he became a part of the news at that moment. And his mind, you know, was so wrapped up in, am I going to see a man crushed right now? I don't want to see that and covered up his eyes, covered up his ears, just kept going back and forth. And then finally he walked out and I said, oh, okay. All right. Like I noticed it and I was like, wow, we're just having this open conversation around the nine-year-old thinking that he can take it and he really can't take it. We have to be mindful of what our kids are taking in because they can't process on the level that we are processing on. And even for us, we're processing it but it's still hard. It's stressful. Absolutely. Yes, it is. And we're supposed to be in charge. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So true. Mm -hmm. So Carol, do you have any questions for our wonderful, wonderful Miss Hash? Yes, I do have a question. So listening to you, you're so inspirational, but can you think of a time where you had some moments of 
chaos, I guess this we kind of just went over this, but whenever you face a, a challenge, when everything wasn't balanced and maybe you had to regroup, can you kind of walk us through that process that maybe something occurred with your kids or your children or trying to balance it all and things just kind of didn't go as planned? We talk about that all the time. When things don't go as planned, that how did you handle that that challenge? And I, I think I, we hit, hit the head on the nail or what have you, but I'm just thinking about, you know, just the or, this situation that we just talked about, that's not you know, a regular, typical experience for us, but just maybe just some everyday, just normalize, just try to normalize you. Because sometimes as a listener, as you're going through your journey, some people haven't arrived. And so your journey can be intimidating. It's like, oh my God, she's so smart and she's so wonderful and she's so great and everything worked out for you, but I don't know if I'm able to do it. I don't know if I'm capable. You know, when that doubt starts setting in, but if you can kind of normalize a situation where, you know, things didn't go as planned and did didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And hey, you and your husband had to regroup and say, hey, let's get together, put our brains around this and, and try to make this work. Can you kind of go back in your memory and try to find one of those moments that you had that you had to say, hey, let's regroup or things or you just hit a bump in the road and had a challenge? So that's at least once a week. So I don't <laughs> give anybody the impression that we have it all together at okay. least once a week. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so can you, yes, can all you, the real moms say yes, hey? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you're trying, we're trying to balance a lot. It's always a give and take. So, my husband graduated, so he's very successful, has been at Wells Fargo. This is his 16th year, and he graduated yesterday with his MBA. So, you know, we're all trying to support each other through our life goals. And that was a hard two and a half years because Mm -hmm. when you pull a parent out of the mix, you know, he's working. We have three kids. They're all busy. But when somebody is not present a couple times a week in the evenings and you got dance, cheer, speech therapy, piano, it's different bell schedules. You're working. I mean, you know, everybody talks about the, the negative of the pandemic but it probably slowed our house down to a level that became a little bit more manageable because everything was kind of now happening within the home, working from home, school from home. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, there have definitely been times where Dwight and I have had to sit down and say, this is just not sustainable. You know, and the level of (laughs) the pace that we're on and and Amy knows that our family lives in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So before the pandemic, we always traveled to Winston-Salem for church because my father is Pastor Mayor. Listening to your story has been amazing. Everything that you said, the gems that you gave are great. So I just know that our listeners will enjoy this podcast, is enjoying this podcast, and can just take so much from it and be uplifted and, you know, just kind of get that fire up on you. You know, you can do it. Hey, I can do it. Absolutely. I can do it too. So go ahead and close us out. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for listening to the 210 Podcast, where we shine light on topics for busy moms. Have a great day.